May we have your attention, please? In this episode, we'll be talking about another signalling failure, this time from a city metro not in the UK. But where it happened is not as important as what happened, so we're not going to name the incident, but would like to thank everybody and every organisation that makes the learning from their incidents publicly available for everyone to use. This is the spirit of RSSB, the reason it was established, to facilitate collaboration and safety learning. This podcast is part of a series of learning from signalling and other complex software-based systems about what can happen when they go wrong, why it happens, and what we can do to prevent it from happening again. In an earlier podcast, we talked about the Cabrian signalling incident that was investigated by RABE, which led to recommendations being placed on network rail for them to resolve in consultation with RSSB and the wider rail industry. These included capture and dissemination of safety learning available from the reporting of complex software-based system failures. If you're new to signaling failures, you might want to start by listening to the episode on the Cambrian Line incident. Today, I'm again talking with former rocket scientist and systems safety and risk engineer, Dr. Emma Taylor, about the underlying causes of this city metro system incident. There's a lot of information and analysis in this particular podcast, so to help structure it, we're going to refer to V&V, or the V model, which is used to guide the verification and validation of the software development lifecycle. The V model diagram is also V-shaped, which helps too. This is a model that's used to structure the development, testing and monitoring of systems, including software applications, throughout their complete lifecycle. So you can also call it the V-cycle. What we should be aiming for is that each stage of the verification and validation process is well completed and well documented. And as we step through this particular incident, it wasn't perhaps implemented as well as it could be. So Emma, welcome again to the RSSB podcast. I've just outlined some of the things that people should be doing when developing complex software-based systems, but why bother to do that at all? Ant, thank you very much for the opportunity to come back and talk more about complex software-based systems. Of course, you want your system to work well when you need it, and the V model is a structured way of achieving that. But more importantly, you need to be able to turn back time when something goes wrong, to work out how, when, and why it happened. And all of this understanding has to be documented in a language that people who aren't software developers can understand what they need to understand and use it as appropriate. Because, of course, railway changes are implemented by teams of many different disciplines and clarity and common understanding are both key. Using the V model helps tease out, like a detective story, the root causes, the causal factors, and also when they happened. So that when you are developing and deploying your complex software-based system, you can think about the key points from this podcast to remind yourself and ask yourself, could this happen here and now? Because if it happened to them, it could happen to you. Okay, that's interesting, but what about the incident? There was a train collision and the signalling software failed. Tell me a bit more. So in the early hours of Monday morning, only a couple of years ago, two trains collided at a crossover section on a major city metro system. It caused damage to carriages of one train and derailed the front car of another. Fortunately, this happened while a new signalling system was being tested and the network was closed to the public. 
So right at the beginning, when they were considering the concept for the major change to the city metro, moving to CBTC or communications-based train control, a form of signaling, they had some pretty stringent targets on availability to achieve, which meant they needed to consider modifications to the standard CBT system, which in itself was another major change from the supplier's core product. By making these changes, there was in effect, a sort of dilution of safety benefits, which were recognized from the established system. Now, my personal view is that change isn't necessarily self going to cause you an issue, but you do need to understand the scope of the change and the potential impact on its safety. Now, as we discuss this incident and how it aligns to the V model, I do want to stress that this was a test of a third level backup system on a metro that wasn't carrying the public. And the test was done in the middle of the night. So whilst we're talking about things that went wrong in this case, it doesn't automatically mean that things will always go wrong with transport systems carrying passengers. And so in this podcast, we'll refer to this third level backup system as system three. So, Emma, you've taken me back to the very start of the process where they all sat around a table and discussed what they wanted. So what's the next step, the next chapter in the V story? Well, the next step is system definition. Define your system and the application conditions, how the system's going to be used. What's the context? Looking at this incident, if we turn back time, what do we think happened at this point? Well, reading the investigation report, a couple of things stand out. Assumptions were made about the dependability of the core software, and there was something that people didn't appreciate at the time about latent software faults. Emma, I have to jump in here to help me understand What is a latent software fault? So software is never perfect. You will always have errors in code. And what people strive for is to have as few as possible. I remember reading that a US space program had a really small number of errors per million lines of code, but you can never get to zero. And just because the error is there, it doesn't mean that there's going to be a problem. That's what I mean by a latent or dormant error. The code, in effect, is sort of asleep. That error is asleep until certain conditions trigger it. But it doesn't mean that you can ignore these latent errors, because if they increase in number, that's a warning sign. And it doesn't look like this was appreciated at the time. That all sounds a bit worrying. Surely there's something in this V model that can help catch this. Absolutely. You introduced me as a system safety and risk engineer. And one of the things that I do that everyone who works in safety does is to do a risk assessment. Think about the ways things can go wrong, think about how it could happen, think about the consequences, and then think about what you can do about it. That's the basis of risk assessment. At its heart, it's not that complicated. However, in this case, it seems they didn't think broadly enough about what could happen. Both imagining a suitably broad range of scenarios, reflecting the complexity of this system, and then the underlying hazards due to this unique design, the use of this system three. And a hazard is something with the potential to cause harm. It doesn't mean that there will definitely be an accident, just like a latent error doesn't mean that the software will fail. Certain conditions need to be in place for a hazard to develop into an actual problem. And of course, the design of the system is driven by what you need it to do and how you need it to manage these hazards to avoid these situations. And the way that you design such a system is to establish system requirements based on that system definition and not forgetting that risk analysis step. And if any of those early steps in the V model are incomplete, you leave open the opportunity for those unwanted consequences to happen. And that's what happened in this case. You had a signaling system issue, and then there was a train collision. There was a subtle point, 
about how the data was synchronized in that signaling system software program that had got missed. So, Emma, we're stepping through the V model and we've identified that the data synchronization issue got missed. Why did it get missed? I can't look over people's shoulders to work that out. And I really don't want to because we're all human and we can all make mistakes. And so this is why sharing of lessons learned and reporting of incidents through organizations as RSSB is so important. And why at any time in the development cycle, if you get issues, it's important to record it. I will say, and it's not surprising because I'm a standards enthusiast, that using standards, using the V model, gives you a framework to check yourself and to check others. It might seem like a bit of extra effort, but it is worth it. It's a safety net. And in this case, the safety net had some holes in it and errors slipped through. Thank you, Emma. At this point, I'm looking at my V model here and we're at the paper and the thinking stage. When do we actually start the engineering? So, In the V model, at this point, absolutely, we're now onto the practical stages. And this is where the team were. The next step where we think something was missed is something called apportionment of system requirements, which is a fancy term for divvying up the requirements to the different bits or subsystems of the software code and supporting equipment. It's breaking things down. Anyway, that didn't happen properly in this case. So now imagine you're the computer programmer for one of those subsystems. You've got these requirements and you're implementing them in your bit of the software program. You're doing them in the design and implementation stage. And this is where a few things crept in. When you write computer code, you need to record and write down and explain why it looks the way it does and what it's intended to do. This is the software design description. And when you change something, you need to record that as well. And it looks like that recording of the change wasn't done as well as it needed to be. Emma, I remember you mentioning something about this being system three. What was the relevance of that to the issue? So we're looking at an incident which happened when the signaling's system, system three, which is a backup if systems one and systems two failed during the testing process. Now, in order for that system three to switch on and go live immediately, you know, imagine that the other two systems have failed. And of course, you want to have your signaling system working. So system three has to step up. It needs to be able to have the same information as the two systems that have just failed. And it needs to have that information immediately. Otherwise, how will the software be able to calculate correctly where the trains are and where to send them to avoid a collision? This is called conflict zone data. And in this case, the copying of the data and the handling of it by the computer program wasn't quite right. And because the code hadn't been described fully in the documentation, it was difficult to see that. Emma, at the moment, this seems to me like it's all under the bonnet or working in a black box. How do you work out when one of these hidden problems is actually going to lead to something serious? When you get to the point of actually making something, the manufacturing stage, of course, that point, you also test whether it's working right. And remember, I talked about the V model being validation and verification. At this point, I want to give you a direct quote from a systems engineering manual. Validation is the process of providing evidence that the services provided by a system comply with the stakeholder's requirements, achieving its intended use in its intended operational environment. And verification is an ongoing process of checking the results of work at each stage of the life cycle against the inputs to the work. So more simply, validation can be expressed by the query, are you building the right thing? And verification by, are you building it right? 
So at this stage, the factory testing of a software function didn't consider the unique programming of the system three. So then it moved on to be installed for the on-site testing without a potential issue being flagged up. Now at this stage, independent third parties were also examining the overall signaling system. This is an important part of bringing these systems into operation, independent scrutiny. Emma, I'm curious about this third party. What was their role and what were they supposed to be doing? The role of the third party is to be an independent eye on what's being built and how it's being built. It's in effect, in my words here, assurance, a way of providing confidence that the process of development is represented by the V model and, of course, of supporting standards used as part of that development. It's a way of assuring that things are being implemented as intended. You can actually also have more in-depth third party assessment where they actually look at the results of the process of development as well. Two things are key, true independence of these independent assessors, and also they need to have a broad enough scope. If they're only looking at half the project, they only have the potential to stop half the problems. And it looks like this restricted or reduced scope also played a part in this particular incident. So by the point that we're getting to the testing that led to the collision, that third party had been raising concerns for quite some time. They were flagging up issues with software development cycle, latent errors. They'd picked up that the previous steps hadn't possibly been implemented as well as they could be. But by this time, there was the project pressure, the commercial pressure. So testing was continuing, even though those issues were being identified and there was a plan to fix those issues, but in the following version of the software. At this point, it seems as if the project didn't realize the consequences of driving things forward to complete the test because they didn't have a clear picture of how the previous stages of the V model hadn't been implemented as well as they could be. So if you like, you didn't have a solid foundation for the test as you needed to have. They knew something was wrong because the test got pushed back a few times. And the independent assessor said they wanted another go around to do their independent assessment. But no one party really, it seems, stood up and said, hey, we've got an issue. And it seems that the regulator wasn't fully cited on all these practical problems that were emerging. And even at the point of testing, the scope and the schedule of the testing, the go, no go criteria, it turns out weren't explicitly set out. And then at that point, there was this collision and the project didn't get to move on to the next stage of the V model which is system acceptance. So at this point for this podcast, we stop at this point in the V model and for this particular incident. But in the next podcast, I'll talk to you about a software system that was accepted into operation, that did achieve system acceptance, and then it was maintained over many years of operating. And it was maintained over many years before a problem happened with this complex software-based system that meant that like the planes flying over a big chunk of England weren't being controlled in the way that needed to be. And there was essentially an air traffic complex software-based system shutdown. But that's for the next podcast in this series. Then I'll be able to illustrate for you using a real example of what can go wrong in the later stages of the ME model and also what can go right. Emma, thank you for taking us this far. It's been a lot to take in, so I'm quite relieved to be stopping here, but also eager to talk about those later stages when we record the next in this series of what happens when software goes wrong. I hope our listeners have also learned something about the importance of recording the whole development process for complex software-based systems and about verification and validation. We'll all have to wait until the next episode to learn more about the validation stages, so I hope you'll join us again to listen to that. 
But for now, thank you for listening and goodbye. Thank you.